Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I know you're going to enjoy the show today. We're going to be giving help to caregivers, and who doesn't need that? Now, if you enjoyed our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band featuring Maya Dore, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. Our goal is to have real conversations with all kinds of people at all ages and stages of life and positions um, all around the world. And so today I'm really excited that we're going to be talking to the caregiver warrior. But before I introduce our guest, I always like to give a couple of shout outs. Um, First, I want to shout out to Dementia Map. If you haven't checked it out, it's our global resource directory that we just launched the end of last year and it's picking up speed and it's uh, really really fun to see people on there finding all kinds of resources services products and tools there's an events calendar on there Um, there's a glossary of terms that we just added so go to dementiamap.com and check it out if you'd like a tour or maybe you have a service product or tool that you would like to add to it um, in the upper left or upper right hand corner, you can uh, sign up to take a tour with me. I would be glad to do that. Uh, it's uh, it's very fun and it's wonderful for both families and professionals alike. Uh, so go to dementiamap.com. The other um, shout out I want to give, of course, is to the Memory Cafe directory. I so believe in these groups. Um, Most of them are still virtual, but some are starting to turn over to in-person. And Dave, who has Memory Cafe directory for five different countries, is tracking all of those. You can easily mind what is in your area. And again, if you're going to jump on a virtual one, it doesn't have to be in your backyard. Just go to memorycafe.com. I personally do one for Arthur Senior Living on the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month at two at one o'clock central time. That's two Eastern. And we are still virtual and anybody is welcome to join that. So you can reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. And I'd be glad to get you more information on that. A couple more shout outs. Uh, Coral Faith or Coral Health is still allowing people to download two of their Uh, apps, Music First and Coral Faith Free during the pandemic. So, heck, you can't beat that. And then I just adore uh, Susan McFadden, and she is doing a program on Thursday, April 8th from 12 to 1 o'clock. It is with the Fry Art Museum in partnership with Aging Wisdom in the University of Washington uh, Memory and Brain Wellness Center. And the presentation is going to be on dementia care, community, and creativity. And you're not going to want to miss that because she has just been really one of the leaders in dementia-friendly movement as a whole. So we're going to hear from the Footbar Walker, and then I'm going to introduce you to our caregiver warrior. Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. 
The foot bar walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The foot bar walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's the thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the footbar walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the footbar walker. Well, I love that footbar walker. If you haven't checked it out, you're going to want to because it really is as fantastic as Peggy says. It was developed by two friends for two friends, and it really is a, um, an amazing uh, invention. Now, today we're going to be talking about help for caregivers, and we are going to be talking with Suzanne White, who is the founder of Caregiver Warrior. She, too, was blessed with the opportunity to care for her parents and ventured out on that caregiving journey that would change her life, like it has so many of us. She blogs about her journey on her website, caregiverwarrior.com, and she shares her experiences, her strength, her hope with others. So they, too, may live with grace and empowerment. Um, You can also find her on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. So, Suzanne, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? Hello, Lori. I'm doing so well. It's an honor to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you on the show. Um, I I don't think we can raise enough people's voices around the world. Uh, There's so much knowledge out there, and You know, we just have to get people connected to all of the alternatives because we all come from a little twist and turn in terms of how to cope. And I'm a a big believer in uh, building a a toolkit that that one person or one product does not have all the answers. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I always ask every one of my guests if they have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. So how about you? Was it specifically dementia that, that got you on this path of caregiving, or was it something else? It was, actually. My mom was uh, diagnosed with dementia, and um, I took care of both uh, my mom and my dad. My dad was um, had heart issues. Um, and he was doing the caregiving for my mom, and they were kind of hiding it from us for quite some time. They were working together as a team, (laughs) Um, and we, you know, I mean, we sort of knew something was going on, but they were really good at hiding it, but uh, one uh, one holiday season, my dad sort of had a caregiver burnout, and we, as he was, you know, resting and getting better, we saw that my mom was confused, and... um, you know, repeating herself, and it became very obvious that they needed help. So I have indeed experienced the uh, the dementia world. It is amazing how that tag team happens. I know my family did it as well, and, and I was I was part of that. They didn't even know I was part of it um, until something happened where I was really unhappy with some of my parents' friends, <laughs> and then I realized, oh, this is my own fault. They have no idea what we're dealing with because – we're hiding it so well. And I I think that's really um, common. Uh, You know, we start out, you know, just, you know, it's a little thing and, you know, it's no big deal. And, and then it gets bigger and bigger and you, you keep kind of covering and making sure that everything's okay. Talking about, well, you know, it's their dignity and stuff, but there's this point, I think where, you know, where it's either a crisis where it gets noticed, where one of them can't keep up their side as well as they work. Um, And then, you know, everything just hits the wall Um, or it's, uh, you know. Exactly. And that's kind of what happened to all of us and my dad. And I I think that that's a really great point though that you bring up because I think unconsciously as caregivers, and it's great that you admit that and you're self-aware. And, you know, self-awareness is a really big thing for me as a, as a, as a caregiver and for caregivers. And I think that a lot of times we do that, you know, where it's sort of the stigma of, al- of, of dementia and Alzheimer's. And, and, you know, part of it is we don't kind of, you know, we don't want to admit it, you know, that we're losing someone slipping away from us. And, I, you know, it's never a bad-intentioned um, thing, but I think sometimes it really does, you know, it's good to admit that we 
tend to sort of not ignore things, but sort of say, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay. It's not really as bad as we think it is. Um, and I think, you know, we, we hurt ourselves when we do that as caregivers and, and as people who have the disease themselves, you know. Well, and I think it hurts others around that want to help, and, and they're really yeah. kind of pushed away. They're, you know, they feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I thought I was in the inner circle. What the hell happened? Why, why don't yeah. I know about this? Why aren't I being yeah. And then there's all that self-doubt that comes in, and then that kind of puts that wedge there. And none of us know that we're even doing that or that those right. perceptions are happening because we're so right. in overload. Trying exactly. to take care and, of everything. And, that, and that's exactly what it is. You know, I mean, I remember when, because I had a really, you know, I'm a type A personality control freak, and and I had to really kind of learn to ask for help. You know, I was going to do it all myself and all perfectly and all at once. And I was going to fix them. And, you know, and I had to learn to, you know, I hit the wall, of course, but I had caregiver burnout because of that kind of attitude. And I had to really, when I reached out for help, I had to realize that, you know, people were standing on the sidelines waiting for me to say to them, did you help me with, you know, because they didn't know, they didn't want to, you know, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to upset me or they didn't want to insult me or whatever. And they were like, oh, I'm so glad you asked because, you know, like I didn't know what to do. Well, how, what can I do? You know, and I think that um, it's really at the good point that caregivers need to understand that we can ask for help and that there's people there waiting, you know, on the sidelines that would really give us help. Well, you know, I was chuckling when you said, you know, I'm kind of that, you know, um, a personality and a control freak because mm. my brothers and I actually had that conversation. And I and I was going to say, oh, no, no, explain it like this. You are organized. <laughs> you know, because that's how, that's how I viewed myself. I was I was like, no, I'm organized. They're like, no, Laura, you really are a control freak. And, I, and, then, and so we, you know, and it was a, it ended up being a humorous conversation. But again, it's that whole perception of in what is your role in the family? And I was always the fixer of the family and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of controlled those things. But everything went smoothly when, when I, you know, put my organized self forth like that. And they were, and my brothers were always fine with me in that role. And so we ended up having. Yes, having and I, oh, go ahead. I, said, I think it's, I think, well, I, and I think it's, a, you know what I mean? I think like, we have some wonderful traits. I mean, they're wonderful traits. We are organized, you know. And and we are resilient, and um, I I think and I think a lot I think most caregivers are kind of who I who I believe are hardwired to caregive. I think a lot mm-hmm. of us are Type A personalities, and I think it serves us really well. But on the other hand, it's great that you know you could talk to your brothers and, and hear them say, uh, no, it's a little bit more than being organized, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, and I re- I remember, you know, one of my sister, my brother said, you know, his wife, my sister-in-law, she's like, she's really intimidated by you. And I'm like, me? Why? Well, you know, you 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 always do our holidays, and you know, they're they're pretty fabulous. You know, you kind of go all out, and Aww. she grew up in a family like that. And I'm like, uh, you know, if she wants to learn, I'll teach her. You know, it's it's. But I remember then I I said that to my other sister-in-law. She's like, oh yeah. I remember joining your family, <laughs> but I, I felt the same way. And you have no idea because you're just trying yeah. to do your best and hope everybody, yeah. you know, has fun. And so, and it's protected or whatever role it is you're playing. But yeah, that, that, uh, that a personality can, uh, can really be looked at on different levels as well as all personality traits. You know, yeah, exactly, um, and I and that and your self awareness around it, you know, is great, you know, and I, I and I think that that's a really important for caregivers because I mean, like I said, I think most of us do have that personality. I mean, you know, caregivers show up because they 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 want to serve others, and I mean, mm-hmm. a lot, and, and I and I think you know, and there's a constant question for me. And I always talk to caregivers like, why do we have such a hard time asking for help? You know. And I, I, I believe it's because we really do go at it, you know, we just hit the ground running. We don't think about it. It's not something you think about, well, am I going to caregive? Well, let's see the pros and cons of caregiving. No, it's just, you know, you jump in, you organize it, you're going to take care of it. And I think that um, the bad, you know, the bad part about it is, is that we figure we can do it all, all ourselves. So, so we hesitate to ask for help. And I think that that, 
that's the that's the downside. Good side is we're good organizers, and we you know we're really going to get in there and get the job done. So it's a balance, I think. You know, I think it's caregivers have to have a balance, and they have to understand that yes, they're really good at what they do. Yes, they're really committed, but yes, they can ask for help, and they can't do it alone. You know, caregiving takes a village. Yeah, well, and but don't you think society kind of sets us up that we're supposed to do it alone, and we're really yeah. not supposed to. You know, and so, um, you know, one of the things I want to get into, because I, I definitely have some comments and I'm like biting my tongue on it um, yeah. right now. So I, I want to jump into, you have, the, that we have three selves that we have to acknowledge. Why don't you talk about those? Because I, I definitely have some thoughts on these as well. And But I would love to hear hear your thoughts, because maybe they are my thoughts. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Well, I would love to because, you know, I did just to start at the beginning, I did not get along with my mom. So mm-hmm. um, we had a really rough journey and I, and I had a lot of baggage there. So um, and if you told me I was going to take care of her, I would tell you you're crazy, uh, type A or not. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. like, no, there's not going to happen. So um, in, in, in making the commitment to care for her and, and my dad, I, um, you know, it was rough. It was very, very rough in the beginning. And I finally, you know, had to understand that she was not going to change, but I had to, you know, not only was she not going to change because that was just her personality, but, you know, in the throes of dementia, uh, she was not going to change. So I had to. So in understanding that and trying to um, change our relationship and, and feel more comfortable taking care of her and making her feel more comfortable, which was tough in me taking care of her. Um, I came up with a couple things that I had to do. And one of them, and it all started with self-awareness. It all started with what am I feeling? What's going on for me? What am I doing? And how am I behaving? You know, Um, especially in this relationship with my mom, you know, like, like why were we banging heads constantly? Why was I nervous whenever I had to do anything with her? You know, I was, you know, I was six years old, you know, I mean, it was just kind of a mess. So um, really digging around, looking in the mirror and um, being self-aware of like, you know, what my body was feeling, what I was feeling, what was coming up. Was it old? Was it, was I looking in the rearview mirror? Was I present? Um, that self-awareness was really, really important. And through having the self-awareness, I could start to begin to love myself, you know, and sort of understand what was going on and have empathy for what I was going through and, have you know, be kind to myself. And then in doing that, I was able to know, hey, I got to take care of myself. You know, I have to do whatever I can and what I, use whatever toolbox in my, whatever tools in my toolbox I could to get through this and not be miserable. You know, I could have a journey and I could enjoy this or I could be miserable. So that's what I needed to do. I needed to be self-aware. I needed to find some self-love and then I needed to take care of myself, self-care. Yeah, and that that is um, so important to be able to be reflective and figure out. I think we don't, we avoid our feelings so much in society. Mm-hmm. And people like stomp them down. And it's like, that is the crux of, of basically living. You know, emotions don't mm-hmm. go away. Um, people will tell you that even with dementia, when someone's not able to do something, they still can feel and mm-hmm. and memories they might not be able to tell you what was happening at the time, but they'll tell you how they felt or be able to relay that in some fashion to you. And so I think that that is is critical. I think also one of the things you know in terms of you know being self aware and, and self loving and then and then care for yourself as well is a, a lot of times I think people mix up or merge self-care and self-critic and mm-hmm. and so when we are self-aware and we realize eh, I could have done something a little better we turn in or we allow the, our inner critic to take over and then they just beat mm-hmm. us up instead right. of going hey I made a mistake I could do better next time what are the lessons I can learn from this and and I think that's why sometimes people are so um weary of, of becoming self-aware because they're like that right. inner critic's going to take over and beat me up because I know I'm not perfect. Right. Well, and I think, yes. And I mean, the, I just wrote a blog, interestingly, about um, um, imposter syndrome, you know, how we can, how we can feel like a fraud or, or and imposters 
you know, because there's this, the critic inside of our heads, you know, it's just awful. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that for me, part of my self-awareness was that I had an inner critic, <laughs> you know, I mean, my tape is, has been going for so long that I wasn't even aware of it. Like I wasn't even aware that I was beating myself up, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, and trying to be perfect all the time, you know, like my perfectionism. So part of my self-awareness was, you know, what, you know, why is, why do I get so crazy when things don't go my way when I'm taking care of my mom? You know, like A, she's giving me a hard time and B, the life is giving me a hard time. And why do I feel so crappy about it? Um, mm-hmm. Why does it have to be perfect? You know, why am I so rigid? You know, so, I mean, I had a kind of, really look and see, like, what am I saying to him? And I got, you know, like, think about what I'm saying to myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, want, you know, I'm second guessing myself. I'm, you know, it's like, you know, if I make a mistake, I'm a bad caregiver rather than human. It's that we all make mistakes. Um, you know, and a lot of my caregiving right through the entire journey was not pretty. I mean, I showed up and I did the best I could, but you know, we're all human. And sometimes I was challenged and really tired and, like, I was not, like, you know, I was snarky, and I, it was not pretty. But you know what? I did the best I could, and I have to give myself a break around that, you know, and, and it's time to say, hey, I need help on this because I'm really tired. So I think you bring up such an incredibly important thing that caregivers have to realize they're beating themselves up, the most selfless, you know, wonderful people in the universe are constantly beating themselves up. It drives me crazy. I get so frustrated with this concept. I'm so glad you brought it up because it's just why do we do that? And, I mean, I think there's a lot of different reasons. You know, like I have, you know, some of it was my old baggage. And, you know, I had to change that. I had to realize that being that the critic, I had to kill the judge inside my head. You know, like being Mm -hmm. inside your head by yourself is, you know, it's like being in a bad neighborhood, you know, know, alone. Like I had this bad roommate talking to me all the time, um, yeah. and so lock the many door and drive it. fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and we all have it. I mean, it's not you know, there's nothing wrong with me that I have this critic. It's just like shut up. Yep. Well, it is. It's really taking kind of taking the gavel back and going, hey, I'm in charge here. You had your say. I'm overriding you, or I'm overruling you, or whatever the heck they say in court. I think one of the reasons, though, um, like with the whole perfection thing, I think one, it can be that type A personality, but I think also, um, to me, it comes into play significantly in in two particular situations. One is when you really have loved somebody deeply, and you know how well they've Mm -hmm. cared for you over the years, and you want to give that back. You want to honor them. But then, like, in, in your situation, I'm not saying this was. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. But in, in a lot of situations where they didn't have that love, there wasn't that relationship, and it's a difficult thing to step into when they do decide, then many times what I hear is I want to show them how it should have been done. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there's this, this like almost wager of war um, in a in a non-conscious way that says, I'm going to give you what you never gave me and see if you can learn from that. I mean, I think it's still coming from this l- lesson of we're going to teach or we're going to change somebody in doing right. that. Uh, I mean, I think right. we do it a lot with our siblings or those that we want help from that um, right. aren't stepping up the way we want as well. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I, you know, you, you're bringing up really um, wonderful concepts here, and I love it because this is really authentic, truthful um, conversation, and I, I think it's really important. I, for, for, my, for me, I had an extraordinary healing with my mom um, mm-hmm. through my caregiver journey. It was, it was a great gift to me, and it came when I changed, when I, when I reflected, and, and, I, I, and, and I had empathy for myself and what was going on with me, and then I was able to be have empathy for her. And I was able to kind of step back and, and look at, look at our patterns, you know, like why we argued, what, you know, and the thing of it, look here, the bottom line of it is, if I'm being really truthful, is we're exactly alike. I mean, there's so many things that my mom and I were, you know, do you know what I mean? And that's the truth. And, and I think she had anxiety all her life. And I think that, that, that caused her to act a certain way and had certain behavior. I think she was very worried for me. And I was able to see that, but, 
talking to, I mean, I think the motives behind our big feelings or our reactions um, as opposed to responses come in all kinds of different sizes and shapes. And I think we're all, I heard a saying recently, like, you know, I'm unique like everybody else, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. we all have different, you know, emotional paths. But I I think to your point, if you can look at them and say, you know, hey, why am I acting this way or why am I having this reaction to somebody else's big feelings or a sibling who feels guilty or, you know, a mom who's, who's just really upset that her life is slipping away from her and that she's losing control, which makes her feel safe. You know, I mean, you know, we all have, you know, do we all have things that make us feel safe and it's a very complex relationship when you take care of those who care for you. And mm-hmm. in the best of situations, and you have that role reversal, it's a nightmare for everybody. Getting, yeah. You know, getting used to that role reversal is huge. And if you don't take it easy, you know, with them and with yourself, and it should be with yourself and then with them, uh, you know, it's daunting. So the fact that you're, we're just talking about all these reactions we have, um, that we need to look at them and kind of pick at them a little bit to see if we can make them responses, you know, as opposed to reactions. Because um, mm-hmm. we're all motivated by this gunk sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. When you were talking about um, healing with your mom, my mom and I had a great relationship, so I didn't have an issue there. But my mom didn't have a great relationship with her mother. And her, and I've told this story a zillion times on the on the show, but I'll, I'll state it again because I think it's important. Her dad had a massive heart attack when she was 15, and her mother had a nervous breakdown, and she took off, and she kind of traveled around the world, left my mom home alone. Now, needless to say, you couldn't do that these days. But my mom had issues of abandonment and, and struggle. But somehow through me caring for her, that healed. And, you know, I don't know exactly how, but she would, um, she moved into a nursing home and she'd be sitting with her friends. And every time I would come in, she would say, and there's my mother and she takes such good care of me. Wow. Oh, gosh, that is so beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's, it know. is. But But then again, you have to be able to, as a son, a daughter, a spouse or whatever, step back and not be offended that she's calling me something else. And, you know, my brother would be very offended by that because she would call him Chuck, her brother. And, you know, we had to have conversations about where she was in time and how much she loved Uncle Chuck. And, and for me, you know, I had to explain Mm -hmm. it to my brother and he still, he still didn't get it, you know, to him that was Mm -hmm. just, well, that's just goofy. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to look at it like a gift. You can look at it however the hell you want to, but I'm going to look at it like a gift and, you know, and then just move on from there. But I think that's part of the power of caring is we have this ability to choose what it's going to look like. Is it going to be a gift or is it going to be a disaster? And we can, we can, pull whatever we want towards us um, in that mode. And not that when you're looking for the gift, you're not going to, you know, stumble through a few disasters on the way. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, but, but, and it's, and it's not about even, but if you show up for it and you frame it that way, um, you know, the journey can be amazing. And, And I think that's, you know, that's my whole mission is to sort of explain to caregivers that, you know, this is a very powerful, powerful experience. And, you know, yes, we'd love, you know, we're taking care of people we love, or even if they're professionals, you know, you're, um, you're caring for people because you choose to to serve, you know, to to serve in the world. Um, It's a big experience. And it is something that we can, you know, like my glass is always half full, my dad's glass was always half full. And I mean, I was able to and I worked really hard at it. I mean, you know, there were times when I just thought I couldn't carry on or that I, I you know, that it was just, there, there were crises and, and mental crises and health crises and, and hospital crises and, you know, there, but I, you know, I really wanted to get what I could out of it. And by really, it, it, it changed my life forever because it made me a better me. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really believe that, you know, the work that I did within myself around my relationship with my parents, um, it, it just changed my life. I mean, I'm definitely much healthier and much happier. And I have a sense of peace after everything was over. Do you know what I mean? I mean, um, and that opportunity is there for all of us. And I think that it, you know, you, you, it's, it's work. It's not easy, but it's there. And I really believe, I really believe that that opportunity is there. Um, I do too. If it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean it's pretty all the time. <laughs> no, nothing, but nothing is. Life wasn't pretty before dementia hit, you know, or right. before any health crisis. I mean, life has its ups and downs. You can't have your joys without your sorrows. They just go hand in right. hand. Uh, we don't always view right. it like that, but you you can't be happy if you don't know that. Because right, exactly. it's all relevant. You know, it's all, I know. And I always say there's no growth in the happy place. I mean, you know, I, I mean, although, you know, I, I struggle to find happy places because that's just my personality. But, you know, I, you know, there's no growth there. You know, mm-hmm. um, the growth comes in the sorrow and the work. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was, um, you know, and you're, and you're just bringing up really great, you know, it's just people have different reactions. And I think that what I love is that you sort of detached with love from your brother's reaction, you know, because that's his choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's his personality, you know, that's how he, you know, we all have different ways of coping. Um, yeah. you know, and sometimes people can't, you know, it's, it brings, look, listen, want, first of all, taking care of your parents, having your parents become the child and the child become the adult is heartbreaking. I mean, it's just, and it's, and it's frightening. Um, and we all have different ways of reacting to it. For me personally, uh, you know, I just, I just, I'm, I pick at things. I want to understand things. It makes me feel safe if I understand what's operating. So I was able to sort of pick at my relationship and go, oh, here's what's going on here. And it helped me have a really good experience. Yep, yep. No, I agree. Let's talk a little bit about this self-awareness, self-love, and self-care and and why you think it's so important that people incorporate all three of those in their lives. Well, first of all, I mean, you have to be, you know, we sort of covered the self-awareness. You know, you just sort of have to understand what's going on or just be self-aware, you know, even if it's physically, you know, I mean, if I, you know, I, I had a lot of sleepless nights where, you know, nights where I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, um, you know, when I would feel myself, you know, especially like when you're in an ER room or, or you're hit with something, you know, what does my body feel like, you know, on my shoulders up to my ears, you know, am I really tense? Am I getting angry? You know, am I afraid? So I, I think just a self-awareness on a daily basis, like take your emotional temperature like every day, you know, because so much of what we go through, I believe, as caregivers is sort of this very subtle thing that mm-hmm. goes underneath it. You know, if we're not careful, we miss it. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, like I'm exhausted or I'm really angry and I don't know what happened. Where'd that come from? You know, so you sort of have to take your emotional temperature. I think that's the part of the self-awareness. And then you can sort of have self-love and say, you know, I'm I'm so, I'm frustrated and angry today because I'm telling myself that no matter what I do, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, I I went through that a lot. And I go, well, that's not true. You're showing up, you know, you've been up, you know, for 20 hours, (laughs) you know, you're a little tired, you're doing the best you can. You know, go take a rest, sit down for a minute, you know, and that, and I was sort of able to say, hey, you know, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm a good person, it's okay, I'm doing the best I can, you know, and just sort of self-hugs kind of. And then when I was able to do that, I was able to say, gosh, I'm hungry. You know, I, I love the, um, I love Halt. I don't know if you know, you know, like hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's a foundation for my self care. It's like, am I am I hungry? You know, halt, stop. Am I hungry? Get something to eat. Am I angry? What the heck's going on? Am I lonely? Pick the phone up. You know, call my sister or text somebody. And am I tired? You know, however I can take a rest. So I think you you can't you can't get to any of this unless you're aware of it, unless you think you deserve it, and then you can take the action on it. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, you've got the self-awareness, the self-love, and then the self-care. And yeah. you need all three. You can't do one without the other. Yeah, when you were talking about self-awareness, it made me chuckle because the other other day I was like, oh, my God, I'm just in a, this horrendous mood. 
I, I, I don't even want to be around me, you know, so I got in the car and I just, I drove for a little while and I'm like, I have no idea why I feel this way, but it's like, I, I got to shake this loose because even I don't want to be by me. And I had kind of isolated myself from my family as it was, but it was just, it was kind of hilarious. It's like, I, I still to this day, I don't know what it was. I just knew that I needed to get rid of it, you know? And so I, I, I drove but around. That's and brilliant. Just, but see, that's brilliant because we're not always going to know, especially in our lives, especially today and in our lives. And with every, I mean, there's just so much to be angry about. I mean, do you know what I mean? There's, yep. there's righteous, yeah. So and frustration. So sometimes we're never going to figure it out. But to be aware of it and to like take care of yourself and get in the car. I had a yep. friend that was taking, yeah, you know, I had a friend who took care of her dad who was a real, he had dementia and it was, he was, he was, I mean, it was, it was bad time. So she would get in the car and just drive like on the highway and scream, mm-hmm. like, like to scream, you know, like for like a couple miles, you know, and then drive, yeah. drive back. Um, I, and- I remember actually doing that when I was caring for both of my folks. It's like, I can't go home and do that. I don't want anyone else to see me. And then even on the road, I would make sure there was nobody around, let alone did I know the cameras <laughs> were probably catching me screaming as I'm driving down the road. You know, those weren't, those weren't in place as much as they are today. <laughs> you know, but- that's so funny. But see, there we are, you know, it's like, that's where we have to be really, you know, aware, you know, like, you know, because whatever the other people think of us is none of our business, but it's difficult, it's difficult to even get in the car and scream, you know, and, and yeah. feel okay about it. You know, we deserve it. Well, um, you've got to release that stuff somehow. Yeah. You've got to get it out of your body. And so I think it's important yeah. for us to talk about that. I mean, it's not hurting anybody. It might give somebody a good laugh who's driving by yeah. you going, well, let's either get way ahead of them or stay way behind them. But, you know, <laughs> you know, and then they I think it's their... perfect. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was, was interesting, too, was, you know, when you're talking about self-love is, you know, we get in these caring roles and we're typically so compassionate, but we're not, we're not compassionate towards ourselves. We, we, we like have this higher standard where we're not supposed to grieve or we're not supposed to feel these emotions or Lord knows we're not supposed to get tired, you know, or need oh. help. And we just beat ourselves up with that. And, and I think that yeah. that's really, um, really very silly. You had mentioned earlier about this imposter um, syndrome, and um, why don't you talk about why you think that that is so dangerous? Well, I, I think, first of all, I think the imposter syndrome, you know, which I've had been known to have in my day, um, is, is dangerous just in general. But I think when we're taking care of others, it's even more dangerous because, you know, the stakes are so high. In other words, we're not only feeling like frauds, in our daily walk-a-day life, um, for those of us who feel like, you know, we're in the middle of something, it's like, oh, you know, somebody's going to find out that I don't know how to do this. I think mm-hmm. um, when we feel that with the added commitment and responsibility of caring for someone else and their well-being, I think it just ups the stakes for us in our head. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to, to again, be aware that if if we're starting to really second guess ourselves and judge ourselves and feel like, you know, somebody's going to walk in and find out that we're not a really good caregiver because we don't know what the hell we're doing, I think that the alarm bell should go off because I think it's really, really dangerous. Because the bottom line of it is there's no – you know this. There's no perfect way to caregive. You know, yep. you, you, you show up. You have the best intentions. You do it with love, and then you that's it. And no one – there's no rules, there's no regulations, and no one can tell you you're doing a bad job because you're doing the best job you possibly can do. And I think that's really important to remember. You know, I'm a good person, I'm safe, I'm doing the best I can. I think that's like a mantra. Well, you know, what's interesting, I'm going to drop in another story here, um, because people will tell you you're doing a crappy job. You know, they, I mean, they will say that or they'll give you that look. So, you know, um, know that they, that, that can happen. Um, But it's, it's for us to stand back and say, you know, why is that happening? And I had that happen with um, a really good friend of my mother's who wasn't able to go visit her in the nursing home. So every Mm -hmm. couple of months I would meet with her 
and we'd have breakfast. And this one um, morning, as I'm sliding into the booth, I slid over this DVD, and it was a picture of my mom, myself, and, and this musician. And I was so excited because my mom, even though she was in her end stages and you know, we were going to do an hour session. She only lasted a half hour, and through that half the time she was asleep. To me, she was so joyful. So in this picture, I saw pure joy. My mom's friend, Kay, saw it, and, you know, she's like 76 years old at the time. She screams out in the middle of the restaurant, oh, my God, she looks horrible. Lori, I'm so disgusted with you all this time. You've been telling oh. me what good care you're giving your mom. I can't. I, I, I don't even know what to say to you. I can barely look at you. I'm so mad at you right now. And I um, felt really uncomfortable, and I, I giggled, and then I really got the seething eyes that I think just burnt a hole through my soul. And then I sat quiet for a couple of seconds, and then I said, thank you. And then she's like, thank you. What are you thanking me for? And she just kind of went on, and I said, okay, I'm thanking you because I don't see what you see. I don't mm-hmm. see that her hair is a mess. I don't see that, you know, I'm not focusing on her her chipped and her broken teeth. I'm not focusing mm-hmm. on that billy goat hair on her chin. I'm not focused that she doesn't have makeup on. I'm not focused that her eyebrows are a little bushier and probably need trimming. I don't, I don't see any of that. And she's like, well, what the hell do you see when you looked at that picture? Because it doesn't look like your mom at all. And I said, I see the glint in her eye. I see the big mm-hmm. smile on her face. I see the dimples. And I, when I look at this picture, Kay, I hear my mom giggle. This mm-hmm. is my mom today in pure joy. So thank mm-hmm. you for letting me know I don't see what you see. And I think sometimes we have to step back mm-hmm. and, and really figure out what are they seeing that looks so different than what I'm seeing. And, you know, when someone's beating you up, they're not seeing the true everyday thing that you're doing. You know, they're right. And I, and I think, you know, and when you were telling that story, you know, people often ask me, because I, I say that I want to help caregivers survive their journey with grace and empowerment. And people often ask me what I think grace is. Mm-hmm. And that your reaction was a, was grace to me. That's mm-hmm. grace. Where, mm-hmm. you know, you were affronted and, and someone attacked you and came at you. I call them drive-by shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an emotional drive-by shooting. And you gave yourself and your inner soul a minute to just, you know, sort of regroup. And instead of, uh, you know, turning that energy back on her, you were able to deflect it and, and, and hand her a gift that she had a choice to pick up or not pick up. And yeah. I think that's, that's, that's grace. And I, I think, I think what she's seeing is she's seeing loss. Mm-hmm. She's seeing her own personal grief and loss in that picture. Yep. And, and, yep. and that's what happens. Do you know what I mean? Like people that have that reaction and, 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 sort of react out and act out to you, it's their own personal pain that's causing them to do that, having nothing to do with what you're doing or what what you see in your mom. Do you know what I'm saying? So she yeah. and, and it's and it's a shame because, you know, here we are, you know, finding the joy and, and, and seeing the everyday loss and dealing with our grief ourselves, but, you know, managing to see the beauty of it and someone comes along because they're in pain. They want, you know, misery loves company. They, they're, they can't deal with their pain, so they're trying to take it out on us. And I well, think we have to really understand that. And, and that picture to her, I mean, this was a woman who loved my mom, what kind, nice woman who I knew that would never be her normal reaction that something else was going on. And not that I was thinking that deeply at the time because you're kind of shocked in yeah. your reaction. But, <laughs> But um, this is a woman who couldn't go visit my mom. And my mom at that time had been in the nursing home 14 years. And so she still in her mind visualized my mom mm-hmm. as as who she was before dementia hit. And, you know, my mom always was, you know, dressed fine, makeup, nails done, lipstick on, you know, just the whole nine yards. And so 
this is a very different person, and this is exactly why she couldn't go to the nursing home to visit was because she had visions of her own parents and what they looked like and what that mm-hmm. meant and didn't go any any deeper. And granted, back then, you know, nursing homes were very, very different than mm-hmm. what they are today. Any of the care homes are. Um, but, you know, what things can look pretty and not be good either. So yeah, exactly. it's a matter of, of learning, like you said, to live with grace, live with love and acceptance and, and awareness so that we can tell if something's pretty but not healthy, you know, um, right. And we and we can tell when something might not have the view of what we thought was beautiful, um, but learn to look deeper at at the true initial um, pieces of of our authentic self and and what right. is still there and still beams loud and clear if we choose to if we choose to see it. Exactly, and 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 it's not look, and it's not easy. It's funny when you were talking about the hair and their teeth. I mean, you know, I, I and I don't think of it often, which is why it's very interesting to me. You know, my mom. You know, my mom was the same way. I mean, I mean, I my mom, my mom, my mom woke up and put makeup on. I mean, and and had red nail polish, and I mean, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I'm laughing, and it's wonderful because I'm laughing about it. I mean. When when we would be when, when she was still going out, when I was able to take her out and we would go to dinner because I loved to go to dinner. And we had like a little hometown, so we'd go like the little diner or whatever. Mm-hmm. She would take and we would be all ready to go, and she'd have to redo her red nails. You know what I mean? I mean, and it was just mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh my god, you know. So I learned to like leave an hour before, you know what I mean? So I would tell her that we had to go, you know what I mean? So I learned to change the schedule, but yeah, she was like, you know, uh, full makeup, you know, nails and whatever. You know, and as she got, as she started to slip away, you know, she would pull on her hair, you know. Um, and my sister and I were just like, oh, my gosh, she looks like Beetlejuice. It's like it was so, and it was funny, I mean, we, that we were able to laugh affectionately about it, but it was so painful, you know, and I would do her hair. I mean, I would, you know, dye her hair and curl her hair, and, and we would have this bonding time, which I, I didn't believe I had with my mom. But she would nervously pull at it, you know, as the days went on. So, you know, I just saw her as um, somebody that, that you know, that's, that was her stress, and I wanted her to be comfortable. I, it stopped mm-hmm. being about, you know, me doing her hair and her messing it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But to other people, you know, who were used to looking like her dressed to the nines, you know, it's like, whoa, what happened? And then what happened was dementia happened, and but she's there, you know, yeah. and you put on Dr. John, she'll dance in, in the kitchen for you. Yeah, that was like my mom with her teeth. She was scared of a um, of a toothbrush. She was scared of a swab, you yeah. know. Yeah. You got yeah. to the yeah. point of, okay, we're going to make her day miserable and have yeah. poor yeah. quality of life, or are we going to live yeah. with looking at you know, uh, teeth that look like a rusted chainsaw with fried rice hanging off them. I mean, that's that's her, cho- that's her choice. And and you know, when you are truly giving care, it's it's yeah. about their their comfort. And yeah, absolutely. Us, and absolutely. us walking into that. Be, and when we can walk into that, it's a beautiful thing. I can't believe we only have like ten minutes left. I have a couple more questions oh. here for you. Sure, sure, um, sure. Why don't you talk about the three worst assumptions that caregivers can make? <laughs> I can do it all myself. I can do it alone. I can do it all at once. Um, and I think that that's, that, that was me walking in, you know. I, I can still remember because we were in Florida, but we had flown my parents down for the holidays anyway. And, and I, my dad, I had to send my um dad's paperwork you know the because he was in urgent care down there he had walking pneumonia um mm-hmm. so i remember I, I had a try to it was the first time i dealt with uh, the healthcare system for my parents and mm-hmm. i remember sitting um, like pacing in my in in my sister's bedroom saying because i was trying to fax it and they weren't getting it and they didn't cut the chart and it wasn't the right <laughs> show i was like oh oh my god what are you doing i could not believe you know, how inept and how badly the doctor's offices were being. And because I just thought, I'm, look, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do all of it. It's gonna, I'm going to fix it all right now. 
I can do it immediately, and I can do it by myself. You know, that's the three different assumptions. And man, did I start! <laughs> I all of a sudden I realized, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong about this. But that's, mm-hmm. that's what happens. We go in and we think we can, you know, fly solo. That we're super men or super women, and that we can fix it all and we can fix it immediately. And it's just yeah. that's just going to happen, guys. No, and and when we go in, in that we are intimidating. We are um, not not necessarily organized, but more of that control freak is how we come off. And we we miss things. Because we're going so fast, so we're not reading mm-hmm. others in the process. Let's talk yes. about perfectionism and um, how that can just really make things tougher for for someone well, yeah. who's caring. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think I think a lot of us are type A, and I think that a lot of us are perfectionists. I most certainly was. I can, you know, I always say I can speak about my particular situation, but I mean, you know, I'm an absolute perfectionist to um, even to this day. Um, I, I, you know, I, everything just because of my personality, like I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to make a mistake. I, and I want to do everything perfectly. I want to look great. Um, and I want to do it perfectly. So that's a really, um, bad place to start from because there is no such thing as perfection. <laughs> um, the expectations I have for myself and others are impossible to, to meet. And what happens is, and especially in my case, I was constantly chasing a carrot I couldn't reach, and I was grinding myself into the ground because I was trying to be perfect all the time and trying to put everything in, in like, you know, I was trying to put everything in a little box and compartmentalize everything and make sure everything went smoothly. And life doesn't work that way, especially as a caregiver. You know, so perfectionism was really, I mean, I, I, I finally got to a point where one morning I was, just, I just woke up shaking. I mean, literally physically shaking, thinking I was going to die and take my parents with me. I mean, I was completely burnt out because I was trying to do it perfectly and it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I look at um, perfection as it allows us to procrastinate. Um, and, and not not get something done because it's not pretty or perfect enough. And I really think perfection calls out and gives permission to our inner critic to come out and beat us up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because because down deep we don't think it's perfect. Right. <laughs> no, we. And right. so, um, you know, to me that's a way to to lose control. So I always say um, I've kicked perfection to the curb, and to me, it's about progress. So it's it's progress, not perfection, and um, the same exactly. with same with failure. I don't that doesn't weigh heavily on me. That's not how I interpret things anymore, um, because I think anything that doesn't go quite right is just a learning experience to make something better the next time. And Excellent. and when you know when you're able to grasp it and, and twist it into something that can help you in the future instead of beat you up in the present and the future. I think we're, mm-hmm. we're all better off for that. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I agree. I, yeah, I just think it, and I love the procrastination. Yeah. Because that's, you know, we do it. We put things off because we want it to be perfect. And I recently heard a wonderful little take on the uh, progress, not perfection, that progress is perfection. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that, as long as you're moving forward, you know, that's perfect. That You know, you want perfection, that's, you know, moving forward. But, yeah, it, I just think it, 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 perfectionism just opens the door to the inner critic. It's just like, come on in, you know, like, you know, take a look around and just, you know, let me have it because um, it's just, it's impossible. And, yeah, it, I, I think that it can cause us to procrastinate and it can cause us to really be miserable. Yeah, and it can it can also um, cause us not to modify and make changes because it's like no, this is and I think to me that's where it, it, the phrase comes from. Well, we've always done it like this, you know, mm-hmm. we, and it's like that doesn't make it better, you know. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to you have to continue to read what is the need because the need typically when you're caring for someone is going to change, it's going to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and so are you of, of what do you have available to give, 
you know, what are your mm-hmm. resources, all of those things. So, um, you know, I think it it can be a trap on, on so, so many levels. And, you know, when you go in just looking at making progress, doing the best you can with the knowledge you have in the moment that you have, I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah, you really, that's you really exactly. can't. Yeah, that's the perfect formula, you know, and I, I think another thing you said that was really good was, you know, read the room, basically, mm-hmm. you know, you have mm-hmm. to read the room, you have to be open to read the room, you know, I mean, yep. it, you know, I think one of the greatest things, I mean, it gave me, my, my caregiving journeys gave me so many different things, but, you know, it really helped me become less rigid. You know, perfectionism makes us very rigid, you know, and you can't yep. be rigid when you're caregiving. I mean, you know, you can try to, you know, it's very important to try to keep rituals going for them, but, you know, you have to keep rituals and then be open to change. I mean, being open to change and being open and going with the flow um, is really important. And I think, you know, when you're trying to be perfect, uh, you know, you're, you're way too rigid. You know, you, you know, trees break. You know, you've got to be able to bend in the wind. Uh, yeah. I think that um, that's very helpful when you're taking care of people you love. Well, and some of the the best places that we go to in life are detours, you know, so being Mm. um, spontaneous um, can show you something that, wow, I didn't even know was here. I didn't even know this was important. I didn't know it could be done like this or look like this or feel like this. And you, you know, you had no, no idea you were going to take that path because you didn't know it existed or it was a longer journey, but it brought you to a different place of value um so yeah i know uh, one of the things i've always asked myself and it took me a while to get there um but i say i used to have screaming matches with god when i was just feeling like i was slamming mm. into the wall and i was exhausted and i would like be yelling at him like what is the lesson and to me that was one <laughs> of the most valuable questions because it made me realize even though i thought i was looking for the answer a lot of times i was just um swirling in the minutia, but I really wasn't looking for all answers. I already had it prefixed what it should look like and mm-hmm. it wasn't there and yet it looked something totally different. And then I was able wow. to accept that, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. I, I, so much just came up for me when you just when you were talking about all that. But yeah, I mean uh, it's so much easier, you know, when I let go of the wheel and I let <laughs> I let, you know, whatever you believe in drive the bus. Yeah. You know, I mean, because it's like, you know, and I love that. I love that, you know, some of the best places we go to are detours. I love that. I'm going to use that. You know, I do a weapon of the day on my Twitter. So mm-hmm. with your permission, I'll, I'll tag you. I'm going to use that because sure. I love that. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, we, I just, yeah, you got it. You know, I just, it's like taking a spatula and turning it over. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, just turn it over. Let, let higher power drive the bus, please. Because um, you know, these preconceived notions of how where we should go and how we should get there, you yeah. know, really can really slow us down. And I think well, and really bottom beautiful. line is we don't know what we don't know, and so you right. you can't have the answer to something that you it, that hasn't been funneled to you yet. And you, so you've right. got to be open to listening. Um, I want to make sure we get your contact information out sure. to people. Suzanne. This has just been a really fun conversation. So thank you so oh, much. Wonderful. Oh, it's my pleasure. This has been great. You know, and it, it's really moved the needle forward for me. You know, um, I'm now going to have ideas for blogs and other conversations. And, it, and I think this conversation is so wonderful, Lori, because we need to get it out there because, you know, People need to hear this to so I could sort of shift their um, consciousness around caregiving. I want to direct people to my website, which is caregiverwarrior.com, because I have a, a free ebook. I have a little ebook, The Caregiver's Little Guide to Survival, um, with seven tips in that. And I want to start telling people about that because it's just a sweet little, you know, tip that will help you with your journey, I hope, um, based on the things I've done and how I failed and how I've found tips to help me. Wonderful. And then you're also on Twitter, Facebook, and, I am. In, and Instagram, all as the Caregiver Warrior. So she's kept it, Suzanne White has uh, kept it uh, very, very simple. Just Google Caregiver Warrior or put in caregiverwarrior.com and boom, she will pop right up for you. Um, for listeners, I want to thank you all again for uh, being with us today. 
And um, I hope you like, click, and share this episode. I think it had a lot of valuable tips that that uh, Suzanne uh, gave us, and this is uh, just such an important thing. So, again, uh, Suzanne, thank you so much for your time and the work that you are doing and your your love and your ability to share this with others. But again, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Great. We will see you all next week. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey a lot easier.